You are listening to MBR and on Mountain Bike Radio. Hello, listeners. Welcome to a new episode of MBR and. I want to say a thank you to Health IQ for sponsoring this episode. If you're coming back from previous episodes on Mountain Bike Radio, you've probably heard the Health IQ ads before. But if you're new and you're wondering what Health IQ is all about, it's very simple. It is an insurance company that helps health conscious people like you save money on life insurance. What they've done is they've taken science, yes, there is still real science, <laughs> and they have calculated and done all their stats and all their details, and they have given you, listener, the opportunity to save a significant amount of life money on your life insurance. In fact, 56% of Health IQ customers save between 4 and 33% in life insurance. And I can vouch for that because I'm going to save roughly 30% on my life insurance. These are exclusive to Health IQ clients. How do you find out if you qualify or go to get a free quote, whatever? Go to healthiq.com slash MBR. Or if you happen to be on the phone with them already or just dialing, you can always just mention the code MBR and that'll get you going, see if you qualify, get your free quote, and really help us out. That's all. I hope you enjoy this episode of MBR. And if you have any questions, comments, whatever it is, ben at mountainbikeradio.com. Enjoy this episode and have a great day. Hello and welcome to another episode of MBR. And today I have with me a lady who has stormed the Southwest, I guess that's geographically where it is. Uh, I should look these things up um, and set some course records and has been doing well in endurance events. Who is with me today? Introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Caitlin Boyle. And what did you absolutely destroy this year? <laughs> uh, well, I had great races at 24 hours in the old Pueblo down in Tucson in the female solo category. And just this last weekend, I raced the Arizona Trail 300 race in Arizona. Cool. So you, you were at Old Pueblo. Unfortunately, we didn't meet. I was there, um, but you know, things didn't work out. You were really busy. <laughs> we may have seen each other. So uh, maybe uh, I don't know if you'd heard the story, but I wasn't there the whole oh, time. Yeah. We had some. Uh, yeah, that was unfortunate. We had a yeah. Yeah. So um, for those of you that don't know, go listen to the Taylor uh, Ledeen episode. I almost said Taylor Finney. That'd be a totally different show. Uh, Taylor Ledeen episode that has all the info about my misfortunes at Old Pueblo. But um, Caitlin, you did 18 laps, which is a new women's record, right? Yeah, it is. So how did that go? Like, or wait, that's kind <laughs> of like getting deep into it. Like if you could give like the elevator pitch, like what got you into biking and what like most people don't just like wake up one morning. It's like, oh, I'm going to start doing 24 hour races. So like, what was your transition? So I'm going to look up your finish okay. time while you do that Great. or talk about it. Okay. That. So <laughs> in 2010, I think, uh, I spent most of my time rock climbing and I broke my ankle pretty badly and had surgery and riding a bike was the first thing I could do. Um, so I started mountain biking the next year I, um, mount bike packed the great divide mountain bike route on my single speed. Cause at the time that's all I had in road. And they, that got me hooked on really long rides. Um, shortly after that, I got to teach a bike packing course with Kurt Refsnyder, um, who was very accomplished in the ultra racing world. And he got me hooked on the idea of racing ultras. And since then probably 20, 
14, I think, is when I did my first Ultra. Um, and I've been hooked on it. I've been trying really hard with all sorts of successes and struggles since then. And you kind of got started with salsa, which is like hard to beat, right? I mean, for I'm going to race yeah, bikes and I'm totally. going to have good bikes. They're, they're pretty good. Yeah. When I, um, in 2014, um, I started riding for salsa and was really lucky to have their support for a lot of mostly bike packing, um, and some racing pursuits. And Kurt and I, for the last four years, uh, got to travel around the world on salsa bikes and, um, race some ultras and race some 24s and did some shorter stuff on single speeds. And yeah, that's really how I got going and started to build momentum in this. Well, cool. And then when did you join forces with pivot? I joined forces with pivot, uh, just at the beginning of 2018. So it's been a few great months and really successful. What did you race at old Pueblo fortune on SL? Uh, no Mach four carbon. So 27, five wheels. Oh, okay, cool. Um, man, how, well, are you, how tall are you? I'm five, two. (laughs) Um, Oh, okay. Yeah. Pretty short. And so transitioning to pivot this year, um, has enabled me to be on 27, five wheels on all my bikes. And that's been actually really incredible for me and my bike handling and, um, just feeling super, uh, efficient and confident both uphill and downhill. Yeah. And that bike's, that bike's good. It's light. Like it's really light. And if you're that, yeah, yeah. it's crazy. It's so fast. (laughs) I, I feel like it, climbs faster than any hardtail I've ever been on. And then if I feel like I'm on a Mach five going downhill. Yeah. I'm a, I work for a pivot dealer, so I'm pretty familiar with all their stuff. And yeah, that's a, I'm six two, so it doesn't make much sense yeah. for me. You know, I would ride an sure. SL, but like, yeah, you know, if, if I was five, two, yeah, I'd probably ride one of those. It'd be a good <laughs> bike. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, what wheels are you running? You racer industry nine, were you running aluminum or carbon wheels? Carbon. I've been racing on pillar carbons. Oh man. So you're, yeah, your bike's like stupid light a bit. Yeah. It feels great. <laughs> and when, and you know, for 300 miles, I think it makes a difference. <laughs> so I looked it up. You did 18 laps in 24 hours and 50 minutes at old Pueblo. Uh, yeah. But I'm trying to do some math here. How many miles was that? Do you know? It was just shy of 300 miles. Okay, cool. So I've been averaging up, you know, with my warm up. It was, I'm saying, I rode 300 miles. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a whole lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Taylor said he ran a tire. Like, I thought I went aggressive. Like, my I got a new bike, like, a week before, and it came with icons. And I was like, icons in the desert, that'll be fine. And he yeah. ran, like, a tread light or something ridiculous. What tires were you running? Oh, really? Yeah. I rode, I ran the Maxxis 2.2 Icons front and rear. Okay, yeah, that's what I rode. And he rode like an Icon in the front and a tread light in the rear. And I'm like, I didn't know oh that was God. even a thing. I didn't either. I guess that's the difference between 18 and 20 laps. <laughs> mm-hmm. That and Taylor's incredible. <laughs> and I'm sure testosterone has something to do with it too. <laughs> uh, I mean, let's face it, you know, like, well... Mm, I don't know. I've done some like reading lately about ultra running and like mm-hmm. that 24 hour time period, like the whole like dude toughness thing or like the dude testosterone thing stops mattering as much. Like it just comes down yeah. to like, you can't 
you have to just keep going. So, um, you were the first woman to do 18 laps, right? Yep. I was. And I'm not trying to make this all about him. This will be the last mention of Taylor because he got his own show. But so like, that's really cool. Like two pivot riders set two course records. Yep. The same, like concurrently, I guess you would say like it happened at the same time. So, um, did you have, like, what was your strategy for the event? What was the, what made this all possible? Oh man. Um, well, I think similar to Taylor, this wasn't my first time trying this. This was the fourth year in a row. I'd started a solo race at old Pueblo. Um, the first year I hurt myself in the bitches and stopped in the middle of the night. The second year I won with 16 laps last year. Um, I wasn't in it mentally, uh, cause of other life shit. And then this year, the main thing was that like I'd had carved out time in my life beforehand to train properly for it. Um, I work in the field teaching outdoor education. So training while like backpacking isn't always the most ideal. So I didn't do that leading up to this race. And then the main thing was that I just went into it with a whole new level of confidence and positivity and commitment that I'd ever approached any race with before. And so I just showed up on the stop line, the start line, calm and convinced that like I just knew I was going to do 18 laps. Like there's no question about it. It was just was going to happen. And I approached it as if I that was my race and all the other people there were just other people out there with me while I was doing this. Like it wasn't really a, a race against other people for me until the end. Um, and at that point. 18 was on lockdown unless something out of my control happened, which fortunately it didn't. So it was like going to do a 25 hour interval. Like you knew what you had to do. You showed up, like you said, you showed up ready. Totally. And I guess mentally one of my strategies was that I didn't even think about it as a 25 hour race. I just broke it down into intervals. (laughs) Um, And so just like all the other days doing intervals, I was focused on my splits for um, shorter chunks and that allowed me to just remain present and focused for the, what then ended up being 25 hours. So when you say splits, do you mean like you knew you needed to be like going back up like the final climb in this time, or was it broken down into like, I need to enter this. I can't, I, we're too far from the event now. Right. And yeah, I'm terrible with trail <laughs> names. Like, like sh- should I go into the snake section here? Should I go here at this time? Like you knew every lap where you were supposed to be like changing trails. Not so much about that, more about just effort and perceived exertion for to execute different lap times. Like, you'll inevitably have faster first laps. Like, you're just fresh. No matter how much you try to govern yourself, you're going to go faster. There's adrenaline. Everyone else is going fast. And then, so I had, like, I'm going to average these lap times for the first three laps. And then the next three laps until dark, I'm averaging these lap times. And then the next, and I had it broken down by either three or two laps. And then I had a goal, like by midnight, I want to have ridden, I think it was nine laps or 10 laps or something. I also forget. But, and so then I was over that and it was just about getting through those graveyard hours with a certain uh, average lap time over the course of three laps. And that's just how I went through the entire 25 hours. And it let me not think about how 
long it is to be riding, but I could actually think about what the task at hand was. And that was just like a 120 lap and then a 120 lap. <laughs> and that's just how it happened. It lets you know that if you did like, and the math on this isn't right, but if a lap was finishing at 10 p.m. and it was a 117, you're like, whoa, that is not good. I need to slow down. Or if it's like a 123, yeah. you're like, hmm, these next two laps better be a little bit quicker because I'm falling totally. off pace a little bit. Yeah, totally. So it, let, it really helped me know when to push harder and when to back off. And are you semi-local or local to, what is it, Oracle? Uh, yeah, so I live in Prescott, Arizona. It's about a five-hour drive from that race. Okay. But similar, I think, while I'm not necessarily accustomed to the lower elevation of the desert, because um, it's higher here, just the style of riding like is pretty similar. Loose. <laughs> Although it was incredibly tacky that day. It was. It was amazing. Like, yeah. <laughs> I had never def- been there but I've re- I live in like a, a high desert, like it's 7,000 feet here and like fairly dry and I'm in a little valley climate and like it, yeah. everything was just like blown out. And then I get there and it was like riding on concrete, like dry, like cleanly swept. It was that tacky, oh, you know? Totally. Yeah, it was like the fastest you could ever ride in the desert on dirt. <laughs> um. So did you go down? ahead of time like over the winter were you spending time riding there or did you just know your lap times from your three previous attempts there i just knew my lap times and i i did the math beforehand and i think that like going into that race i'd ridden that court that lap like 50 times already in my life like i just already knew every turn and so i pre-rode a little bit just the day before because that's where i was um and i hadn't ridden that bike on the course before but I think that I just knew what times I had to do to get that result and ended up kind of nailing the pacing. And that was a huge success for me. And And I don't really know how that happened. (laughs) Did you have anything bad happen? Like, was there anything weird? Like the food you've always eat started rejecting or the, your foot fell asleep or your finger <laughs> fell off. I mean, is there anything like goofy that happened? Well, I crashed on the first lap and that felt, I felt really dumb in the moment because I put all these other people at risk, you know, I was in a Congo line and was just went, pulled something out of my pocket and didn't get my hand out fast enough. And I totally T-boned this barrel cactus that sent me flying over my handlebars. And I landed really hard on my back and I separated a rib. I didn't know that at the time my back just kind of hurt. And so a success in that was that instantly, like I had this, oh shit moment and I didn't let it get in my head. I was just like, well, my back is either fine or it's not. And I'm just going to keep riding my race and deal with it as it presents itself. And so fortunately it didn't really cause a problem. Like I couldn't stand up to climb very comfortably for the rest of the race. But fortunately that course, like when you're racing solo, you don't really have to. And so I think my butt got a little more work because I just spent the entire time sitting. Um, But my back. Yeah, that's rough. Yeah, it it was hard. Um, But my back did fine. And the only other thing was I lost feeling in uh, my left hand sometime early in the morning. but And I think that might have had to do with the crash. 
but it was fine. I was able to deal with it. It's just part of writing solo, I think, is having some pain at some point. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, it's not like you were, you crashed and then you had like sharp shooting pains. It, it was yeah. just like a dull ache that was totally. like mildly annoying. Yeah, like it hurt more after the race when I stopped moving than during. Yeah, so I felt really lucky because of that. So were you able to like descend out of the saddle though? Could you like stand and like give yourself yeah. some respite? Yeah, totally. It was more just like the feeling of holding onto the bars and pulling as when you're standing. Um, but standing while descending was totally fine. Gotcha. So you didn't have the, and what's the name of the, like the last climb, like when you're heading back towards the, like the city. Uh, I really don't remember the name of it. Is it his and hers? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It, Sorry. <laughs> it, it doesn't matter. But like you didn't have the luxury of like standing in like no. what I would call like single speeding, like where you just kind of leave it in a hard gear and like, you know, row up the hill and then yeah. like sit back down. You yeah. just wasn't an option. No, there's none of that. There's a lot of yeah. spinning. So. Well, that's a bummer. I feel like you need a cookie now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did eat a lot of cookies. That was one thing that went really well. Was my stomach was just on board the whole time. And I think the cloud cover and the temperatures helped a lot with that. But I also, um, one of the results of having tried so many times with these ultras is that I feel like I went into this just with a really good plan for all those logistical things. Cool. Well, you didn't, you, you weren't just like, uh, maybe pop tarts will work. You like knew <laughs> no. what you were going to eat. Totally. Yep. So what's your cookie of choice? Hopping back in here just to remind you that this episode is brought to you by health IQ. Head over to health slash MBR. You should do that because it can save you money on life insurance. What is health IQ? It is an insurance company that helps health conscious people like you save some money on their life insurance. So if you want to save yourself some money, be responsible, and help out Mountain Bike Radio, head over to healthiq.com slash MBR. Now enjoy the rest of the conversation. So uh, I have a friend, Rachel Alter. Are you in Salida? Yeah. So she lives over in Gunnison uh, and has a um, bakery or like a baking business. And she has this cookie recipe. Does she have a butter tattoo? I don't think so. Okay. I don't, I don't know. All right. Never mind. <laughs> she really likes uniforms. Um, but she's an amazing baker. She races as well. She was at Old Pueblo, um, one female duo. But she has this cookie that I had in September when I was up there with a geology through bikepacking class that is this gluten-free chocolate chip cookie that is the most delicious, moist, chewy cookie I've ever had in my, my life. And... I decided I needed those for this race. And so she made me a lot of chocolate chip cookies and blueberry corn muffins. The muffins have also been one of my favorite race foods. And I basically, I just ate cookies and muffins the entire time. I think I had like 13, it was either 13 cookies and 10 muffins or the other way around, but that's what I ate. Wait, 13 (laughs) cookies, 10 muffins, 23. So they were like big. uh, they're big. And then I had at around dinner time and around breakfast time, um, I got off my bike twice to like pee and have my chain lube lubed and I ate a burrito twice. Oh man, what kind? <laughs> uh, well, my, my mom was there. She made it and I don't know entirely, but I know rice and cheese and, uh, 
I think maybe bacon or something was in it. Oh, man. I wasn't paying very much attention. I just decided I want a burrito and asked for one as I went by and then got a burrito. It was amazing. And you're like, hey, you got an hour and 20 minutes. Make it happen. Mom's like, <laughs> yeah. okay. Yeah. That's Having awesome. Her to do that was really awesome. <laughs> and then I did have Tailwind in bottles. Um, so I also had some calories from that. Okay. So you drink Tailwind and you are, you're, you're, it says that's all you need all day, right. really. That's their tagline. I'm not making fun of it. It's just what they have. You obviously didn't use just that all day. So did you use like full strength or half strength or did you alternate bottles of water and tailwind? Like what was the strategy with that? Yeah. Well, what was my strategy? I think that I had bottles that were like 100 calories a bottle because I was eating other food and I was trying to have about 250 calories an hour. Um and it wasn't every bottle, every lap that had water in it. And actually, in the for nighttime, I ran a small Camelback, I think with just straight water, actually, um, and so that I would just have an easier time eating or drinking um, during the night and not have to pull out a bottle. And I may have actually, in the middle of the night, had a bottle with more concentrated Tailwind, but less liquid, so that when I was having like a sip from it, um, I was just getting a little more and then supplementing with the water on my back. Gotcha. Like you I'm, would, I'm not very scientific with that sort of thing. <laughs> okay. That's totally fine. And what's really funny is how people often are, I would yeah. say almost overly scientific, you know, but then you're just like, yeah, I had some stuff to eat and drink and I ate a burrito. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. The main thing for me nutritionally is like making sure I get enough food. Like it really just becomes a chore. Like it's, Cookies and muffins sound awesome, but like after just eating and pedaling, you don't want to be eating. And so it's just like one of those things And the cookies and the muffins and the tailwind, they just go down really easily. And I know they're the fuel that I need to keep pedaling. Like there's quick burning carbs, fats, a little bit of protein, and my gut was happy. So what was the turnaround after the event? Like, so Old Pueblo ends, you set a new course record yeah. and you have your eyes set on the Arizona Trail 300. And how how far apart were those? They were like pretty close. Yeah, pretty close. I mean, Old Pueblo was the middle of February and the AZT was the first weekend in April. So I think it was like seven weeks exact in between. And so recovering from Old Pueblo was hard. <laughs> um, and it was really more hard for my head than anything. Like I, the result of having, you know, like, intervals for 25 hours mentally it was just that I felt like I had focused really hard for that long and it just took a long time until I felt like my brain was recovered from focusing that hard and ready to get back on my bike and then it really just zaps you physically like your top end's gone and so I took a long time off the bike like probably almost close to two weeks without pedaling um and then got on my bike and actually had some aches and pains that didn't exist during the race. And so got back off the bike, went skiing, <laughs> uh, which was great for my head. And then I ended up with really just like a 10 day mini mega block of training before the AZT. And I didn't focus very much on volume because I already had really deep endurance and that doesn't go away very quickly. So I just tried to get my top end back, um, some intervals and, 
had fun riding my bike and pedaled a loaded bike a little bit and then was tapering again. Like I felt like I was really just recovering for seven weeks. It was kind of ridiculous. And what bike did you race? The Mach 4? Yeah, I raced the same bike. I changed a couple things. I um, raised my bars a little bit um, to relieve pressure on my hands. I added bar ends and I put a dropper post on and I changed my tires. So you made your Mach 4 into a trail bike. Totally. And it was awesome. <laughs> cool. Um, how much stuff did you like? So did you, you probably didn't. I know just from talking with you for like 30 minutes now, I know the answer. Like you didn't weigh your bike. You have no clue. No, I have no clue. Okay. That's totally fine. Um, so did you go into this the same way as you went into old Pueblo, this being the AZT where you like, I'm going to set a new course record and you just had to go do it. Kind of. So I went into it. Um, well, a couple weeks before my goal was to set a new women's record and that was kind of where I left it. And that would have been like a 60 hour time. And then after the old Pueblo race, I found myself like not super inspired or motivated by my goal. Um, I think in part because Old, Old Pueblo was so huge and 18 laps was so huge for me there that I decided I needed something that was equally as kind of big and challenging and daunting. Like, yeah, daunting and like would just make me show up like so committed and so focused. And um, and so I changed my goal to 48 hours um, a couple weeks out after realizing that just like compared to past races that um, – I would be, I was capable of 48 hours. And so I showed up with that as a goal. And I don't want this to sound disrespectful, but was there a, a valiant women's effort prior to yours? Yeah, a really strong one. So Esther okay. Harani had set the women's record in, I think, 2013. Um, 62 hours. She had previously taken like 12 hours off of the prior women's record and her record stood for like the last five years. Um, despite other strong women, myself, including having tried, okay. Uh, to break it. Yeah. So it was really strong. Cool. And that's one of those things. I'm just, I'll, I'll admit it. I'm not very hip to like, like I know a couple of records for ultra endurance yeah. stuff, but it's just like because I know the person that set them or tried to set them before, you know. Um, right. And then when we look at other events, I'm just it's not that I'm not interested. It's just like not on my radar. So um, like I know one of the things that Andrea wants to do this year, like the, she can't even find an FKT for it. Like she's just going to have to like finish it and she'll have the record, yeah. you know. So totally. I didn't know what the the setup was. So, you know, and with. I think the way that a lot of women's racing goes, there's not a Neil or a Jay Peterberry or a person that they kind of like work for a company, kind of a pro racer, kind of just an industry bum around race person. There's not a women's version of that, you know? So like you have to go to work, you being like the female ultra yeah. endurance racer. So like sometimes there's just not people that have tried it because they literally can't get off work and drive there, you know? Totally. Whereas those men get to, and I'm using my finger quotes here, work their way there and race it and work their way to the next event or whatever. So, and not knocking them, but you, you as again, women just don't get that same opportunity. So, um, so you go in, you've reset your, your goal as sub 48. How did that go? Mm -hmm. It was awesome. So 
the cool thing is that I didn't reach my goal. <laughs> um, I rode, I finished in 51 hours. Um, up until like two thirds of the way through, I was right on the heels of Neil Belchenko, which was really exciting um, because I was getting to race um, one of the fastest guys in the sport. And Kurt Refsnyder was right there as well. He was racing the 750, so he was actually tempering his ride in the 300. But it was pretty incredible for me to get to to find myself riding my own ride and then suddenly in the midst of a race. And I learned a ton from having to, from making little mistakes um, that led me to fall off my pace. Um, I was on pace to ride a sub 48 hour race probably up until the last night. Um, and then just made some little mistakes and came back from them and was able to finish just as happy and motivated and inspired and committed in the last uh, like five or six hours of the race as I had started. And so that was a huge success for me because I've struggled with the uh, things not going perfectly before. And Old Pueblo was perfect. Like, I mean, I crashed and it was all, it just turned out perfectly. And so to not have a perfect race was really great. Um, and I saw that 48 hours is totally attainable for me. And so that was really awesome. I think to for everyone watching that race, on the internet via track leaders to see a pink female dot like right there with Kurt and Neil was really rewarding. And like, I think that I was able to join um, along with some of the other women who have been demonstrating that we can race with the fastest guys in these races. Right. And it it's like what I was saying. Um, I think it was Scott Zurich. I don't know if that's how you pronounce his name, but like he was talking about how in the, the longer stuff and the running, as I said earlier, like it was the Leadville 100 run that he's right. talking about. Like there's that lady and I can't remember her name because yeah. I'm terrible at that thing. Like it's not just, yeah, it's maybe. all sports crap. Diana something. Eh, right. The really fast lady. That's like nearly one Leadville yeah. a few times. Like totally. it's like, Oh, it's over. Uh, I can't remember. He had like a distance and he was like, if you look at this race, like no man is, or no woman can touch the men because it's like, you know, like say a 50 K, you know, but like when you get to that, like 85 miler or whatever, I don't remember all the specifics, but like, it just doesn't matter anymore. It comes down to just plodding along, not making mistakes, going, 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 you know, like, Mm -hmm. so yeah, that's when you talk about these events, like at something like a short track race, you know, that's probably not feasible for you. But when you look at things like, Trans Am or Tour Divide and the longer or even, you know, I guess anything over 24 hours, it really starts to be a level playing field. Yeah, which is pretty awesome. And then you were saying like you lost your goal and you were able to finish happily. So do you think that that's some maturity of learning? Like you've been doing these long races for, you know, you said you started in what, 2011? Is that right? Uh, 2014 for... The long races. Yeah. Oh, okay. So that you started going like ultra. Well, uh, wait. I thought you did the. I thought you broke your ankle in 2010. You did the divide the next year. Yeah, bikepacking. Sorry, but, I spent a long time bikepacking before I raced. Well, but I would say like you're not racing when you're bikepacking, <laughs> but you're still like, oh, I want to get to this town so I can eat real food. Like, oh yeah, totally. Like, so would you say it's maybe yeah, push yourself? <laughs> yeah. Or like your goal setting and then reevaluating. And would you say that like, right. it's maturity of, Hey, 
I didn't attain goal one. I need to make goal 1.1 or 1.2 or even goal two. Like at this point, do you, is that something that you're getting better at or because I don't think you settled, right? You didn't, you're not just like, (laughs) because when you settle like your 48 hour, you miss that goal. And then it turns into 58 hours because you lollygag and like piddle around. Right. Right. Yeah. I think that the, it's maturing mentally. Like it's learning how to like control the things you can control and be okay being human and being like, okay, well I shouldn't have just resisted sleeping for so long that I became inefficient for hours and hours, but it doesn't matter. I did. And so I'm just going to keep fighting. Like I'm not going to give up now. Yeah. It's like you go out to dinner you order one thing, your friend orders the other, their food looks way better than yours. Like you still have to eat, like you still eat your food. <laughs> yeah. you, you can't just be like, Oh, well I got the wrong stuff. I'm just not eating. Like, Right. And you're like, and maybe next time I'll get something else. But right now I'm just going to make the best of what I have. Exactly. Like, and yeah, that's really hard. That's I, I'm still yeah. super young. Um, and I, I really have a lot of trouble with that. So I'm honestly not really interested in anything over. I don't know. I don't. I don't even want to put a time on it. I would like to do things in a single day at this point. Is I think the best way to put it. Yeah, single days are great. <laughs> but so are multiple days. Yeah, if, if you. It's just different. It is. Yeah, but you know, it's the in an event of that distance. Also, you can. It's kind of like the difference between like, again, let's say short track or cross country and like a 50 mile race. Like if you have any mistake in a, in a really short race, like, well, oh, well, just like go back to the car. Like, but if it's as it gets longer, the recoverability, I guess is the way to put it, gets better, right? Like you can fix your screw ups because you have more time to do it. Yeah. And more potentially more time invested in it as well. And so... Um, there's more time to come back, but I think that there, at least for me, the like not finishing really long races has weighed on me and been harder to recover from than shorter ones. Oh yeah. I guess what I meant is like not actually quit, but like, you know, if you flatten a cross country race, you're like, well, I'm just going to ride in now. Like, right. But like, if you get a, like, did you flat it all? Like, what, did you have any mechanicals? Oh, I see what you're saying. Uh, no, I didn't have any mechanicals this time, but there's definitely that wiggle room. Like, and you just have to, you have to deal with everything. Like you have to stop and move food around and change batteries, like things that would be huge time sucks in short races. And you just, everyone has to do those things in these longer ones. And a lot of people end up with mechanicals as well. And you just fix it and make up time somewhere else, or it just kind of becomes part of it right or like you and i'm sure you've like not to like beat this horse to death but like you know if you if you're like oh crap i was stopped for 35 minutes like you might even start going through more things in your head you're like okay when i stop what am i gonna do oh i'm gonna start chewing this cliff bar and then i'm gonna start moving batteries and then i'm gonna drink some water yeah out of my bottle and then i'm gonna filter more water i'm gonna you know move water out of my soft bottle into my hard bottle and drink a bunch out of the soft bottle so the hard bottle lasts longer like you get that like you learn even as you go in those things oh totally yeah and i have like a i have a plan like a checklist kind of mentally 
before every time I stop, that's a planned stop. That's like, I'm going to do this and then this and then this and then this, and then I'm getting back on my bike. Yep. And that way it just doesn't become a time suck of like, Oh, now I could sit down and putter with the buckle on my shoe. Cause I think that I should. <laughs> right. Like you end up having a party instead of just like having a layover. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you end up in a place where you're just wanting to stop and take any opportunity to rest. And so, but really a lot of these ultras, I mean, it comes down to strength and mental focus and just your ability to stay on your bike and moving forward as efficiently as possible. Oh gosh. I had like something that I really wanted to ask and it just like vaporized, (laughs) um, planned rest. Oh, how much did you sleep in the 300? Uh, okay. So I slept for 20 minutes, um, in the 51 hours I was out there. And that's actually one of the things my plan was to not sleep. Um, and I don't think that was a good plan. That's one of the things I learned. And I was really stubborn the second night about not sleeping until to the point where I was, I would have been more efficient having taken a nap earlier and then riding, being able to ride and stay on my bike upright and riding up and down things just more quickly. Um, but I ended up just battling that and falling asleep on my bike and kind of like semi crashing onto my feet and to the point where like, okay, kind of like when you're driving, you're like, Oh, I shouldn't be driving anymore. You know, it's like Kaylin, you shouldn't be biking anymore. You need to sleep. And so I did. And I felt so much better afterwards. And it was like night and day. I was just suddenly cruising again and riding well and really happy as well. And, um, so that's one of the huge things I learned was just like when you start to lose efficiency because of fatigue to stop and sleep and you'll end up making up for that time you slept in forward forward efficiency later right and i'm sure there's like a scale right like it sounds like you you're saying like if i had stopped screwing around and just like took a nap eight hours ago i would have been i would be 10 miles or whatever further down the road or even yeah let's say a mile, but I would be a happy Caitlin is what you, you know, you said you were yeah. happy and like, I'm sure if you're like, well, I'm two hours from finishing, I can't nap now. Like that's different. But when you're like far out, you're like, well, I just need a nap for a minute and then I won't crash into a cactus. I won't have all these right. issues. And like, you know, I've ran into that bonking on longer rides, um, where it's like, ah, uh, uh, you know, I just, uh, uh, and then you start walk like you were saying you're walking because you're tired like you just start questioning yourself on everything as well you're like oh i don't know if yeah. i can do this and you walk it and then you're like oh i'm already off my like you said fiddle with your buckle you're like well i'm already off my bike i'll just walk up this little hill too right yeah it's, it's a spiral you know and sometimes we do things that spiral us up and are really great and uh helpful for our rides and achieving our goals and then there are these other things like or moments there are decisions that result in a little down downward spiral and for me i think that decision to not the stubbornness to not sleep resulted in a little downward spiral of inefficiency and um but i ultimately was able to fix that and pull myself out of it it's just one of those that was one of those awesome lessons that i learned in my 51 hour ride that next time will let me go, go even faster. So what's next? 
Next, uh, right now, so that was a pretty big spring of focusing and being goal-oriented, and I'm really excited now to, um, I'm going to race the whiskey, so in the whiskey off-road here in Prescott in a couple weeks, so that'll be just interesting, a uh, lot shorter. I don't feel particularly fast, but I'm fun because it's my, ho- it'll be fun because it's my hometown, and then I'm taking a little time off to work on the river up in Idaho. And my next big thing is racing 24-Hour Worlds in Scotland in October. Oh, gotcha. So you're going to go over also? Yeah, with Taylor. So I'm really excited about that. Oh, wow. So yeah. that kind of screws up what I was about to like. Uh, like <laughs> I was going to I, I was gonna like Johnny you and be like, hey, why don't you come race Vapor Trail? But Right. Yeah, that... I would love to race Vapor Trail. That's on my list, but maybe next year. Um, and I'm thinking of a ITT of the Cocapelli Trail in at the end of the summer, um, just as something to focus on before Scotland. And that was the first bikepacking trip I did, so it'll be kind of a cool opportunity to see how fast I can ride on it. Well, that would be, yeah. So you, you would be like, your goal setting again, so you would, because yeah. it's a, and it sounds like silly, but like, there's no, there's no training like racing. So, right. you know, if you're going to like have to be in shape, you may as well race something because then you can like race your way to shape. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And like in a smart way, I'm really amped on long stuff after this, the Arizona trail. I just picked Kurt Rustnider up from the 750. He just set a record. Like I feel ready to get on my bike and ride all day for days and days again. And um, I think that they're really taxing races. And so I'm trying to find a balance between racing and being excited and motivated, and also not doing too much um, so that I don't burn myself out mentally or physically. And is that like? So working on the river, doing those like guided trips and stuff, is that a good break because you yeah. you go away from your bike and then you come back to it like hungry for it? Totally. And it's like going away from my bike physically, but also mentally just like completely being away from focusing on that day-to-day kind of like training athlete mindset. And I think that for me at least that's really healthy. Um, and it's – something else I'm really passionate about, like wild places and outdoor education. So. Well, cool. That's, that's really exciting. So, um, you're going to, so Coco Pelli and then 24 hour worlds. Are you going to race old Pueblo again? Or is that like, (laughs) no, I promised myself in the middle of the night that that time next year I could be skiing. (laughs) Well, that's good. I mean, that's like, yeah. And it's like if you there's a if you put a lot into an event, and then you almost feel like you've made like well you've had your way with it. You set the record, but like if you feel like you've done everything you can there, and you're like at peace with the event, like there's really no reason to go back. Like I don't. I think in like the future, if someone like, you know, if they did like twenty four forty for eighteen laps, you'd be like, really. <laughs> you know, right? Like, would that get you fired up to go back? I don't know. I feel like I had such a 
great journey with that race in the last four years. And there's so many other things, other opportunities out there for me to set goals and push myself around that I would be excited to see someone have their own journey at Old Pueblo. And I don't necessarily right now know that that would uh, inspire me to want to go back to that particular race. Gotcha. Um, Cause this year was really special for me. And um, yeah, that's, I feel good feeling like that is a bundled package. So what other events do you feel like you haven't done that you might want to do? Like, looking you know let's say long term forward like they're not penciled in as like ah 2019 2020 but you're like i right. want to do these um well the colorado trail race vapor trail uh those two in particular definitely stand out um i think i'm excited to see how 24 hour worlds goes and i don't know if that would inspire more 24 hour racing in other parts of the world or not but I think that off the top of my head, those are the main ones at the moment. Are you serious about Vapor Trail or are you just appeasing me? No, I am serious. I've I've been registered in the past and it continue, has continued to conflict with work. Um, but my work schedule has is changing. And so, yeah, I mean, I love long, hard, single track races. And that's what I want to be racing. So, Well, good. We're... Yeah. We, cause I work at absolute. So I'm part of like the shop that puts on the race. Like we're working on getting Alpine tunnel, I guess is what mm-hmm. it's called back in the race. Cause you've had to go up a different pass the last few years and they're working on restoring access. There was a big landslide up there or rock slide, whatever you call it. Um, and they've been working on restoring access to that area and possibly this year we'll be able to reuse it. So it would kind of go back to what I call the old course, um, which is, from what I understand, much more enjoyable. Awesome. So, well, cool. Is there anything else you want to add? Well, thank you so much for having me. And I think that the main thing for me this spring has just been that it's been really exciting to be able to experience and show that, you know, like regardless of gender, in these endurance sports, if we just decide <laughs> that we are going, that we are capable of something, like that vision is the first step and following through with it is entirely worth it. That is good. I mean, I, yeah, <laughs> I, I, there's nothing I can add to that, especially as a man. <laughs> I, I can't add anything to that. Awesome. So, thank you so much, Matt. <laughs> well, thank you for having, or thank you for taking the time to do this. I, I'm glad that your season went well. I'm honestly glad we didn't get to talk at Old Pueblo because that would have meant you were off your bike instead of riding it. <laughs> if you ever want to come race Vapor Trail, you can come. We can probably figure out lodging for you. I'll, I'll extend that offer now. And uh, yeah, yeah, that's easy. So um, yeah, thanks again for all your time. And uh, maybe after 24 Hour Worlds, you and Taylor can come on as like a duo and talk about how it went. Oh, yeah. Because you're both a hoot. That sounds awesome. So, <laughs> Well, you are too. So I think that the three of us would have a great conversation. Well, cool. Well, thanks again, Caitlin. And thanks everyone that stopped by to listen. Thank you all. Thanks, Matt. Thank you for listening. And just a reminder to head over to healthiq.com slash MBR to see if you qualify and to get your free quote. To get yourself some life insurance for you specifically an active person. 
you shouldn't be paying more money. You shouldn't be paying what everyone else is paying. You're healthy. You're fit. You're doing things. So go do it. HealthIQ.com slash MBR. It really helps us out. It helps you out. It helps everybody out. And we would really appreciate it. Save some money. <laughs> Head over there. Check out MountainBikeRadio.com. Go to the app. Do whatever you need to do. If you have any questions, Ben at MountainBikeRadio.com. But as I always say, I really appreciate you listening. I really appreciate the support. Thank you very much. We're uh, getting to be close to six years with this whole thing since the very beginning. I don't really count the first two years. It was pretty rough. But uh, thank you for everyone for sticking with me. I appreciate it. Go check out HealthIQ.com slash MBR. That's it. So go have a great day. Go ride your bike. Have fun. Thank you.